the meme. Chase that dream, not the meme. Chase that dream, not the meme. Welcome to Dreams Not Memes Podcast. Hi everyone, this is another episode of Dreams Not Memes. Today I'm here with my friend Michaela in Vancouver. Uh, and Michaela is an actor, uh, film professional, burlesque dancer, and a musician. And today we're going to talk about your journey. How's it going? Yay, I'm doing so good. How are you? Doing well. Can't complain. Can't complain. I mean, the sun sets sooner, but other than that, <laughs> we're, we're doing all right in this situation. Right. <laughs> so of all of your pursuits, what came first for you? First, hmm, I think, I guess music probably came first when I look at like the, I'm really into keepsakes. So I have a lot of stuff from my childhood and I have a lot of cassettes of like songs I wrote when I was a kid and stuff like that. Whereas the other things, actually, honestly, I did a lot of dress up, which was the precursor to burlesque. So it's a toss up between the two. I hear you. I hear you. So then since you just mentioned burlesque, how did you get into burlesque? Um, well, when I was, I guess, like early high school, I, I went through, I went through really strong, like fashion phases. And like post my scene kid phase, I had a like pinup girl phase. Um, and I was just like, really into the like classic uh, pinup looks, I wanted like long red talons and lipstick and high heels and pencil skirts. And I just was obsessed with that aesthetic. Um, and then the like, the cool place to hang out when for me was uh, the bookstore. So I would be at um, the bookstore and I was looking at these, um, the bio, you know, those like big, like coffee table books with the like really nice pictures, just like that section of the library. Yes. Gosh, yep. I sound yep. like such I'm a exactly nerd. Exactly yep. uh, you know, the picture books. Yeah. <laughs> so I was there um, and there is a Dita Von T's, um autobiography book, which was like all her, pinup books on one side and all her fetish uh or pinup looks and then her fetish looks on the other side um and I was like 15 16 and I just thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen so I bought this massive book and it had her life story and how she got into burlesque and then it that ended up connecting me to Betty Page and other pinup icons um and then that Nidita Montes is also very famous for a lot of her burlesque acts and so that's when I learned that was a thing. And it kind of just was a fascination until I realized it was real outside of Vegas. Um, and then I got um, I got into that via the Garter Girls, which is a dance troupe that used to exist in Calgary, Alberta. Um, they I met one of the Garter Girls at a New Year's Eve party because we were dancing around. She was like, do you do burlesque? I was like, oh, my God, no, but I want to. And then it went from there. Damn. And are you like granite entertainment like does and does not exist in this COVID world we're living in? Are you part of a troupe now in Vancouver? No, I haven't really um, found my I, like I moved to Vancouver about a year before the pandemic hit. So I thought I had all this like time to kind of settle in and right around the time that I was like, okay, I'm doing this and putting myself out there. That's when lockdown happened. Um, so I haven't really done anything here as far as my like artistic circles are all back in Calgary for the most part still. 
True, true. And then theater and film. Granted, I shouldn't have married the two, but they sometimes intersect. Mm -hmm. How did you get involved with theater and film? Um, <laughs> I, I married it again. <laughs> <laughs> they honestly, they are together for me. Yeah. So that works. Um, so theater came first. Um, I did like a theater in junior high, which is improv games. Um, and, uh, it was kind of where like the popular kids hung out and I wanted to be their friend. So <laughs> I, um, just like, I don't know, put myself out there in like a drama class in grade nine and didn't fall flat on my face. And I was like, this is my calling. Um, but then went to, I don't know if this is a thing for everyone, but like our junior highs would go on tours to the high schools and they would put on kind of like a, this is what high school life would be like for you. Um, and there was this like, come into the theater, we'll show you a drama play. Um, and we went in and this performer did something from Rent and I was going through a big Rent moment. So I was like, holy shit, this is the coolest school in the world. I'm gonna be a Broadway star. And so I just suddenly like rerouted re my life. And I was like, I'm gonna be an actor because um, of this high school performance. Um, and then, yeah, from there, I just never, never wasn't an actor. That was my new identity. Um, so I, yeah, went from high school, was in all the high school plays, went to um, theater school for university. Um, it's just like a two-year conservatory program. And then coming out of that, um, most of my theater colleagues or people I either went to school with or met through the people I went to school with. Um, and I did an audition for a theater company coming out of school and my film agent was there and he was like, you want to be in film? I was like, duh. Um, so then we just <laughs> went, went right from there. It was great. So how has Canada been helpful in just nurturing your journey because like you've already alluded to the fact that like in middle school or junior high you were able to visit high school now i could say in america like i got that opportunity like with a lot of high schools i was looking at but not mm -hmm. every kid gets the opportunity depending totally. on like the resources you have so what was that like for you like on all of your pursuits because it definitely seems like you've definitely had a lot of community support Definitely. Yeah. I don't think I realized, well, I didn't realize just how much, how many resources and how much support and just how lucky um, I was to have, yeah, like choices of a high school, as an example, the opportunity to go to university, um, the opportunity to move cities within my country and like pick my favorite like that. That, yeah, absolutely is something that I didn't I hadn't considered not being an option for other people until recently, to be honest. Um, but I don't know, like, I, I don't know if I would say like a lot, like that's necessarily like a, a Canada thing, but like I, I grew up in a city center. So I was, I've always been like a, like a downtown kind of person. And that just has always meant that things have been close to me. Um, like, and that's, so I, so I moved to Vancouver and I live in a part of Vancouver that is not, not like in the downtown place where all the beaches are that like I thought of when I thought I was moving to Vancouver. I'm in East Van, um, which is basically um, 
hmm, I don't know it super well to like summarize because <laughs> I'm still new here. Uh, but like it also has kind of all of its own things and it feels like its own little small town. And so I don't like venture outside of East Van very much. And I feel like that's what it's like to be somewhere that has all those like resources. You don't, you don't think about necessarily going further than you have to because there's only so much time in the day. Um, but I, I don't know what I'm saying now. Um, but, but I think like when things are so close, um, it does also kind of make that perspective smaller um, because you don't have to consider what's beyond that bubble. Like, I don't have to know what it's like in Burnaby, which is a suburb to Vancouver. Um, but like people in Burnaby know what it's like in Vancouver because they have to go in or they don't have to, but they can choose to go into the city center. It's the one everyone talks about. Um, so I don't know. That's been like an, a fun discovery for me. I don't know if that's a discovery, but just like realizing the that having all those um, privileged pieces has narrowed my scope as opposed, whereas it made me feel like I have more at the same time, which is, I don't know, I find that really interesting. That makes sense. And I mean, when you're able to have a level of self-awareness about the perspective of what you have in front of you, I think you're able to do so much more because like the old cliche statement goes, it's not, it's not what you need, it's what you have in front of you. I think a lot of creatives who call themselves creative mm don't necessarily understand that part of creativity is using what you have in front of you to make the most of it. Mm -hmm. And whether the environment in front of you is privileged in the sense that there's a lot of resource, there's a lot of opportunity, there's a lot of uh, equipment. I'm looking at my guitars right now. Uh, there's a lot of people that are doing what you're doing or there isn't, there's an absence of it. You have to make the most of what you have to get to where you want to be. Because I think creativity isn't so much saying your la-la-las or your fa-la-las or putting like magenta on your face across your nose as opposed to like where your eyeshadow is supposed to be. Um, it's really thinking about how can we solve problems by using out-of-box thinking. I'm really glad that you shared your insight about how your environment has helped dictate and narrate your story. So let's take a quick pause. Quick message. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Dreams.Memes. Please make sure to follow Dreams.Memes Podcast on your preferred streaming channel or on Instagram at Dreams.Memes Podcast. To support Dreams.Memes Podcast, feel free to contact me at daywithoutlove at gmail.com for advertising or sponsorship opportunities. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, now we're back. Getting back to your story... I'd like to ask, what are some projects you're working on now? Because I definitely see that, like, you know, you got an electronic drum kit in the back of your room. <laughs> you have uh, a MIDI controller, it looks like, or a Jupiter. Uh, is that a Jupiter? Uh, it's a Profit. Uh, it's a Profit. Too. Yeah. Okay, it's gotcha. Synth. Yeah. Yeah, it's a synth. 
So like, what are some things that you're working on? Um, yeah, so musically, I guess um, during the lockdown early portions of uh, COVID, I was so inside all the time as you know, a lot of humans were. Um, and I took like a bunch of online courses on music production, um, which was already a goal of mine moving out here. Um, and so I've been, I guess, producing an album, but I, I don't know what that means yet. It's like a, like a, a trial and error as opposed to like having a big vision and building it out. Um, so yeah, I got this this drum kit like, within the week like three four days ago I do not know how to drum so that is another project <laughs> that I'm doing um it's been a dream of mine since I was a kid to to do that I was a dancer so there was always something to do with like needing to be involved in rhythm uh in one way or another so this feels like the next now that I'm slightly more coordinated than I was then maybe I can apply it to this instrument. Um, but yeah, so I have um, a general thesis statement of an album that I'm sort of building around. Um, it's uh, so, blah, blah, blah. so there's, uh, <laughs> um, so the, the thesis statement is appears ravenous, but most food is thrown, which is something that I saw on a doctor's note from when I was a child that my mom had said in this desperate um, visit to a doctor as a new parent of have now having two children. Apparently, I was just a tyrant. Um, and so that was part of the note. It was like, both parents are very tired. Children won't eat. They appear ravenous, but most food is thrown. And that, I don't know, that like idea of wanting so much and rejecting everything that's offered just felt like a really like, I don't know, poignant thing for me as someone who just built a career in one city and then moved somewhere else um, kind of suddenly it felt like after moving. Um, and so that like feeling of, of wanting something so badly that you don't don't accept any help that was like the general thing so building on like pretty much any song I've written can fall into that theme and so now it's like choosing how to articulate that in a way that is worth not worth but that like means something I guess <laughs> no no it makes sense because it's almost like where do we get our energy from and are we wasting it or are we taking too much? At least that's how I take it. But when you say thesis, do you mean the thesis of your music or you're in school right now? Oh, no, like of my music, I'm not in school. I just was like, you know, essays, they have a thesis statement for some reason that um, that felt like the right language. Oh, <laughs> it was totally proper, but I just okay. had to like get the, that, that level of clarity. Mm -hmm. And like, what brought you to Vancouver since you mentioned like, you know, you feel like you suddenly ended up here? Mm -hmm. um, well, there was, it's always been this thing in my head that I was like, I need to have lived somewhere other than my hometown. 
because I feel felt like an important like life piece. Um, and Vancouver, like I, I spent a lot of time as a kid on Vancouver Island. I have a lot of family there and that's always like the smell of the ocean and the feeling of being on the West Coast has always been a very like calming, nice thing. Like the smell after it rains is something that just like instantly calms me here. And so I thought there was something about this space that would be like nice for my central nervous system. <laughs> um, and then I'm an actor in film as well. And as far as like careers that have helped me pay my rent in the arts, that's the one that I've had the most, I guess, like that kind of success in. Um, and so it's like, if I'm gonna be able to not have 10 jobs, I need to make money in one of my careers. And the best place to do that seems to be here, at least as far as like between Vancouver and Toronto, Calgary's closer to Vancouver and it smells good. So I'm going to go there. Um, <laughs> Did you that, say it smells good? It does. It smells <laughs> so good here. <laughs> it's so fresh. <laughs> I mean, is there like, is it like a soap smell? Like Vancouver oh, yeah. fresh? Like, I mean, it, it probably will be now that we've, that I've let out the secret, but the, it just like you get off a plane here and it just smells like the earth is healthy. <laughs> I don't know. That's good to know. Coming yeah. from a city where it smells like cheese steaks and pain, oh. um, you know, and it's like, <laughs> it's like this just endearing grunge that that's Philadelphia endearing grunge. Cheese uh, steak and pain. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I could only imagine what it's like to be in Vancouver one day, one day. <laughs> so what are some things that you've been working on in, in the film world? Mm, well, I just actually got back from Calgary because I still get most of my work out of Calgary. Um, and we, we just did a short film in the, the horror genre. Um, it's like a, a queer horror film, uh, just a short <laughs> yep. Uh, that uh, features a polyamorous throuple um, with uh, myself, a non-binary person and uh, a guy um, and just exploring uh, morality around that and has like a I don't I guess I don't want to give too much away since it's not it's not my film, um, but there's a faith element um, as well. Um, and it was it was my first time doing a horror film, so it was super super fun and freezing cold because calgary likes its winters to be just devastating <laughs> i spoke to a horror film actor out of philadelphia Ooh. and they said that when you're acting in horror it's it's a lot of work because you could be triggered there's mm. sometimes like the directors will have to take care of you like twice as much as other films because of the amount of stress involved. And depending on who you are, you have to relive experiences that you don't want to relive, but it's part of acting and things like that. For you in acting in this film or other films, do you feel like you've been taken care of? Um, mm. By that, I mean like foods met, needs are met and all and things like that. Um, I'd say for like, for the most part, I've been really taken care of as an actor. Um, I was really lucky. My first 
acting gig, gig in film was a union gig that got me unionized like right away, which has a lot of like specific rules in the in the indie world. It's a lot more like we do what we can because our budgets allow it. Um, and in the union world, that also applies because there's still like you can still work for free, but um, it has more rules as opposed to like there's this amount of time before you get a meal time and there, you have to have like a hot meal or something like that. Um, and so because of that structure and role base, I've been able to rely on certain things, which has made me feel a lot more safe and comfortable on set, just knowing what to expect, even in just the, the framework of how the day is going to go. Um, as far as like emotionally, it, yeah, I mean, certain projects do like kind of screw up a bit. Um, I know like even just like, like physically, like certain characters, postures will have like long-term negative effects on my like spinal health <laughs> or, um, and so that's where the the craft part comes in. It's like, how are you restoring yourself at the end of the day? I find that if I'm in a project, like I don't even, I'm not myself for the duration of that project because I'm either being this person that I'm playing or I'm like just trying to get back to zeros, which is like, have I eaten? Have I slept? Have I had a shower? And also like, am I going to show up like, nice and bright and sunny and professional <laughs> every single day. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I absolutely love it. I love to get lost in my work and acting's really good for that. And you know, th there's definitely a level of acting even for music, except all you have, the only choice you have is to be bad at it. <laughs> Just kidding, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I'm a bad actor, just for the record. So <laughs> like if I ever, I am going to play a show again, but like if someone were just like, just be funny, I'd be like, oh no, that no one can do that. I can't do that on <laughs> command. I just have to talk. And that that's, that's really strenuous and, and things like that. But like for you, because you, you shift gears, how do you take care of yourself? Um, I say it's, I'm still figuring that out. Um, uh, like, I mean, there's, there's what I like, I know what I'm supposed to do to take care of myself, but it's actually doing it. That is the, the hard part. <laughs> um, like I like make sure I get the eight hours of sleep, drink water. Um, like those pieces are honestly harder for me than the, the more like, like make sure, like I'm better at journaling and, and talking through my feelings and like the, that more like brain health stuff, I'm a lot better at than the just like eat three meals a day. Like those types of things. I like, I'm still really struggling to find that balance as an artist. I, I honestly don't know how there are people who do those things and have another job and have a social life. Like I'm, shocked that's possible most of the time um but like I just I don't know I just try to be gentle with myself and be like you know what like if today all you can handle is like run your lines and do your laundry that's great you did it like true and the answer because I am that person when you said like I, I don't know, know um <laughs> is no 
And and yes, and that it sounds so partisan. <laughs> but what I mean by no and yes is you have to wake up every day. And if, if you're religious, I'm religious. You have to pray, you have to meditate. Mm. And like what I say in every prayer, every prayer is different is, are we gonna do this? The answer is yes, right? So, mm. but then the, to get more specific, I think about what are my yeses for the day? So my yeses for today in this conversation is complete my podcasts, recording as well as like, you know, publishing, work out, work on a mix for this covers project I'm on, <laughs> and catch up with a friend. Th those are just my five yeses. I never give myself any more than 10 yeses. And a yes is something you are going to get done. And mm -hmm. I never do more than 10 yeses. Because if I do more than 10 yeses, I'm going to stay up past two o'clock in the morning doing nothing. Now I allow myself to stay up late if I want to. But those are times I'll have idle time, whether that means catching up with a friend, uh, or that means just watching TV. Mm -hmm. or doing something that doesn't require like cognitive load, right? Mm -hmm. Then there are no's. No's are your things where it's like, I got 10 emails to reply to. Are any of those emails time sensitive? No. Then respect the 72 hour rule and reply at least within three days. Because don't, never leave an email hanging over three days because that way you're gonna throw off the balance of your yeses and no's. So when you can mm -hmm. balance out your yeses and no's and your no's are the things that you're not going to do now or the things that you just don't want to do, like, you know, all creators have a DM problem, well, meaning you wake up every day and there's a lot of DMs on your phone mm -hmm. and you have to think to yourself, how long is it going to take me to respond to all of these DMs? Which DMs are project oriented? Which DMs are going to take me to another place? And which DMs are literally just wasting my time? So you have to say yes and no to that. So it's like every action, whether it's like your DM slash email, whether it's your self-care, like you, you have to have that self-awareness and discipline to say yes and no. And that's how I really do it. Mm, yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe it's like, I, I, I also love this DM problem, the way you've articulated it, because I, I have that. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you. Yes. I, I agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. The whole yes and no thing. Boundaries. Those are important in so many different areas in life. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I, I woke up today with, uh, in total, I'm not just going to like break it down by channel. I, I woke up with 70 DMs, you know, and you're like, you're one of the few that I replied to because like, we're working on something. <laughs> You know what I mean? So that, that's an example <laughs> of a yes, yes, no thing. So it's mm -hmm. like, we, we have to have that. And I think it's practice. Boundaries are practice. Self-care totally. is practice. It's not, it's not something that happens overnight. And I'm not saying it like I'm, I'm excellent. I mean, I stayed up till 530 last night watching anime. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's self-care in its own way. <laughs> but I woke up at like 1245. So, you know, I still get my, got my balance. <laughs> balance. Yeah, I yeah, I think maybe like one of the one of the things being I think like I'm almost 30, but I still feel very early career. Uh, I feel like I'll feel early career forever. But something about that, like, you're just expected to say yes to to everything because you just never know what's like, what's going to be the, the thing that takes off. And that that mentality just got so hammered into my brain that it's just like, oh, I got to I gotta say yes to absolutely 
every opportunity just in case. And even though like logistically, I know certain things aren't going to serve me in the long run. Mm-hmm. It's still like, I just, I, yeah, a struggle with the nose for sure. And that's the Marie Kondo principle. Like, <laughs> true, true. <laughs> what, if I say yes to this opportunity or this connection, is it going to add to my table? Like, am I going to meet new people? Am I going to grow? Um, is this friendship serving me or is it just all memes? Like, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, you really have to think about that. And I didn't mean to say memes cause this is dreams, not memes, but <laughs> like, seriously, like that, that's something that we all have to think about. I'd like to ask you between music, film, acting, as well as burlesque, even though you already alluded to it, what are some aspirations that you have that you'd like to work towards, whether it be in the next month? five years like what what are some plans or or dream projects you have um musically I'd really I mean I'd love to perform live again it's been over a year and now it feels like it might be over a year more who knows Uh, uh, but like I'd love to perform live in Vancouver I've like played a couple open mics but I went from playing shows with my buds in Calgary to, to a whole bunch of friends who were really supportive to just sing into a bunch of strangers who were waiting their turn. So um, I was just like, oh, <laughs> oh no. Um, so I just would love to like have a win in Vancouver musically live. I think that would just get me back in, in the groove of things. Um, the the ongoing production work is like every day has a new goal. Like today I want to finish programming drums on this one song. I love programming drums, side note, so much fun. Um, and acting wise, I would love like a, like a quirky, fun role. I think my whole life I've always been like, I want like a meaty dramatic role. I want to cry or something. <laughs> um, and then I've just been kind of being like, oh, like my who I am actually really, really serves this like quirky, fun. Like I just wanna just wanna be myself on screen. I've had those opportunities in the past and I would love to have them again and really enjoy them for what I think they they are. Um yeah, so I think I would really love that. Um burlesque wise, I haven't performed live in a really long time. I would love to perform even like on a live stream. I just haven't stripped in front of people in a while and it's its own like special intimate rush and I would love to do that again I'd love to share it with people in my other art forms so I feel like there's there's a shyness towards that which I understand um but also I'm like gosh you're missing out you would have so much fun um so something that that marries those art forms is one of my bigger like long-term goals always wanted to do burlesque on stage while singing um and i've seen that done a ton in the burlesque community but as far as having it exist in the same space as like a like a rock and roll show at a bar or something i just feel like that would be so fun (laughs) i've opened up for some burlesque troops uh just playing shows where either the burlesque was exactly what you described that you wanted to do mm-hmm. and i've also played shows where the burlesque they were all fire eaters so like oh hell yeah you know what, what's fascinating about burlesque is like it could take so many different forms and it's a very yeah. flexible art form so. 
Well, this has definitely been a really good episode of Dreams Not Memes, and it was definitely a pleasure to hear about your pursuits and how your resources have helped you survive. I'd like to ask, do you have any shout outs that you'd like to give with people that are worthy of being mentioned or people that have helped you along the way? Um, I guess my my sibling, Taylor, they've always been the kind of the beacon towards what I beacon. They're they're like my my hero, I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they they follow their dreams hard. And so that's always been like a good example for me. Check out what is 36 if you haven't already. It's good yeah. stuff. Well, thank you for your time and it's been real. Yeah, thank you so much. Hey Deb. Hi, this is Brian from A Day Without Love. Thank you for listening to Dreams Not Memes. I just want you to remember, your dreams matter. If you'd like to support this podcast, email at daywithoutlove at gmail.com for donation information, or follow me for weekly episodes. Thank you for listening and joining my journey. Have a good day.